Hello, and welcome to the Psychic Wave Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Sanishin, and on this episode, we had Eric of First Fire. Uh, so I first met Eric at the satellite in L.A., and I was pretty drunk, and it was in the parking lot, and we made plans for him to come on my podcast, and it actually happened. He's here, and it was a lot of fun talking to him. I said to him after the podcast that he makes me nervous because I feel like I can't not be honest with him. And uh, that cracked him up pretty hard, which is really funny. But, you know, you meet certain people where you just start talking to them and it just starts flowing and you might start to be a little bit revealing about certain things. But fuck it, he felt to me like somebody I could trust. And he seemed receptive of uh, what I wanted to say and like he was actually listening. Um, So I really enjoyed our conversation. Really cool dude. Uh, And I hope to see him again. I will see him again, actually. He is playing uh, a show on the 25th that I will be at. And uh, I'm just so thankful that people will come on the podcast. He had uh, a teaching gig in Ventura. And he was out there teaching all day, and then he decided to come on out and do the podcast here in Fullerton when he lives in Highland Park. So he completely shot past his home, went further south to me, and now he's going to go back home. And it's about 11.42 p.m. on a Thursday night, and he, we just finished the podcast. And that's the rock and roll life, I guess, but I, I still appreciate it no matter what even if these guys are used to doing this sort of thing i i really appreciate it and i'm having an issue with how often i talk about uh trying to get my life on track because i don't want to give the impression that i'm fucking up a daily i'm just saying i'm at that point in my life where I feel a strong desire to be much better than where I'm at. And I know it starts with diet and exercise. And, you know, it's just fucking hard, man. I'm busy and I don't necessarily always know what I'm doing. And I I make up for it by being surrounded with really, really good people. But to be the best that you can be, you have to work on yourself so that you can present the best version of yourself to other people. And um, I didn't drink any beer on this podcast. I mean, it is pretty late, but I've done it before. Uh, We just had coffee and we talked and I feel fucking great. I feel like I had a level-headed, clear conversation with somebody and it's silly things like that, man. It's silly things like that, but I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18, 19, and it was just day after day of partying, you know, and I'm 24 now, and my life's a little bit different, and it's hard to break the habits that you create when you're 18 or 19, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get out of being a kid, you know, and grow out of those childish tendencies that are all about 
immediate satisfaction and try to work at things that are more long term. And it's fucking weird, man. If I keep doing this podcast, you know, uh, as the years go by, I wonder how I'm going to look back at this time in my life. It's a growing process and it's fucking weird. And at the same time, I feel super blessed to be around amazing people. It's a conundrum, man. It's a conundrum. And um, this conversation that I had with Eric of First Fire was was really needed. He's a good person. And I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Have you ever seen... Um, Fuck, what's his name? Uh, the guy that always says another one. The producer dude. I don't know. I'm thinking T-Pain, but it's not fucking T-Pain. Um, DJ Khaled. Oh, yeah. He always says like another one or whatever. But have you seen that interview where he's like trying to say jewelry? No, and he, he can't say it. He calls it jewelry. <laughs> he's like he's trying to it's like, like a verb yeah he's like on radio interview and he's trying to like say that he you know that he's got so much jerly yeah it's like but it's not even about the jerly and the guy's like it's jewelry and he just can't say jerly but anyway you've got you've got some flash on you man oh thanks man i feel like that has to be like a plant like he was like going on the radio to go and viral. Was, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to say weird shit so that people talk about me. I know but, that they do that, but yeah, I think that guy's just brain dead in many ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these are both my grandpas, actually. Oh, um, okay. My, uh, my mother's dad. And this ring is significant in like two ways because like basically like i put i put the ring on and the watch on when i'm like ready to go out and like meet the world mm-hmm. and like be a member of like society and put up with everything that we have to put up with right and then when i'm like with a when i'm with like a very close friend or mm-hmm. when i'm alone and i'm like i'm home and ready to be alone then like i take it off and it, it feels like a spiritual kind of clothing yeah i, I get guess. what you mean and then this ring, uh, like every time I put it on, like on the one sense, it like reminds me that I'm gonna die one day mm-hmm. because this was like worn every day by like my grandfather who is dead. Right. Um, in like a positive way, like coming to terms with my death right. and coming to terms with like death being like a natural. I feel like one of the main things that American society like hides from is like aging and death and. Then we get there and we're like super freaked out by it. You know what I mean? Dude, so like my youngest student is seven years old and my oldest student is 75 years old. And I have like a good amount of, I think I have four students over the age of 65. Okay. So like today I was talking to this one guy and he he was saying, he was like, man, you know, if you can avoid getting old, <laughs> don't let it happen to you. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Death doesn't really scare me. I mean, I, um, I worry about dying because I think there's really only three ways you can die. 
It's like you can die peacefully in your sleep. Mm-hmm. You can get sick and die mm-hmm. or a really bad accident of some kind. What other options do we have? That is if you're you you've have exhausted. <laughs> yeah. All so of the options. But I'm not, you know, afraid of it, but um it's it's funny that you you mention that that's your grandpa's and you wear it for that reason. Hmm. My uh my dad died when I was 10, my biological oh, wow. father. I've had a stepdad since I was one. Amazing yeah. dude, like yeah. taught me everything I know. So I I'm, I wasn't lacking in in uh having a father around. Hmm. But he had a watch and when he died I got all of his stuff and I took it off when I was like playing basketball or something when I was like 10 years old yeah. and just gone and it's one of those things that like makes me feel so bad like to yeah. this day you know but also I was 10 like yeah. and I was in charge of a lot like a dead person's stuff I didn't know what yeah. to do with it you know yeah but I definitely understand the principle of like talismans you Mm -hmm. know what i mean they're people get weirded out when you say words like that certain people you know what i mean (laughs) i don't either but i just mean like if you can surround yourself with objects that make you feel good yeah like i'm not gonna go in and say that there's science behind it but if it makes you feel good it makes you feel good you know well i think the science is that that it makes our brains happy and that's okay. Right, that's the science. You get and some that's... kind of reaction in your mind to it. Yeah. Or in your brain. Yeah. Um. So your grandpa was an old man then, by the time he passed. He lived a long life? Yeah. Um. He died, I mean, not like crazy old. He died when he was 86, I think. That's that pretty was, good. Yeah. That's, that's good. finishing the race, I would say. Yeah, At an totally. appropriate time. For sure. Yeah, my, my grandpa just turned 80. Mm. And I was like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's super weird. Yeah. I have this friend who, I mean, yeah, she's a friend now, um, but she's she's 92, and I go and I, like, spend time with this person, like, once a month. She lives in Pasadena. And it, it's crazy, like, being friends with someone who's in their 90s. And she's, like, super quick, and she, like... Yeah. But it's, it's nuts, like... Um, I just can't even fathom that amount of time. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can, but I have nothing to compare it to. It's like when she looks at me and she like tells me things or she like encourages me about something, (laughs) there's so much more weight to it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my God, like you're 92. (laughs) You've seen so much stuff and so many people. Is this a student of yours for for music? No, this was... You just happen to know a 92-year-old. Well, so in October... I was very depressed and very poor. And those usually go together. Yeah, usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um I was uh looking for a therapist and my friend Johanna Chase referred me to this lay counseling ministry at All Saints Episcopal Church in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. And I like grew up very given to evangelical Christianity in the past like four or five years have like has have like completely deconstructed that and like reconstructed like mm-hmm. a modern faith of my own. But right. I had like a I had a resistance to 
wanting to meet with anyone affiliated with any kind of faith structure. Right. But I went because it was free, and my friend Johanna is, like, a very progressive, modern individual, so I trusted her opinion about it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, so, like, I went for an intake and ended up getting connected with this therapist who I won't say her name or yeah. her own. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, What's her address, though? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, or her social security number. Yeah. Would be great. Um, Original jokes. <laughs> it's like if I knew her address, it's just in my phone. Like I just, right. I just oh my, Google yeah, Map. Like I don't even. I couldn't even tell you. You could put a gun to my head, and I could be like, "It's off Orange <laughs> Grove. I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> but um. But it worked out then. Yeah. So we like. There's an allotted amount of sessions that you get with that ministry, and it was like amazing hmm. me, I met, we met for like 14 sessions or something yeah and then afterwards we just enjoyed hanging out so much that she was like do you want to be friends cool like, you should just come over for coffee that's awesome so i go see her like once a month that's really good yeah i it's crazy i wish i was strong enough to ask for help more you know what i mean mm. like i don't i i would never say that i'm at a point in my life where uh, I run the risk of. I'm like doing small damage to my my life, daily or weekly. You know what I mean? Like things are just not like where you want them to be. Uh -huh. It's like good things are happening, but also like there's a lot of things I don't deal with, which I think happens to a lot of people. But everybody that like says they have a therapist or, uh, my friends that like have gone sober, I'm like, you know. It sounds like a pretty fucking good idea sometimes. And uh, it's one of those weird things where it's like I don't really have any actual problems. They're just like minor problems that like you wouldn't think somebody would want to go to like a therapist or something for it. But it's more of that I'm too stubborn to just ask for help in general. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. Like that's my crazy thing. But it's a stubbornness in the way that I want to do it by myself, but you can't always, I know for a fact you can't always do everything by yourself, which is the, it's like, see, I'm constantly fighting with myself. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Not crazy, crazy, just <laughs> like, you're sitting here like, who the fuck did I just agree to do a podcast with? No, I see you and you're a beautiful individual. Too kind, too kind. Yeah, you haven't seen everything, though. I can't see everything. No, you can't. And that's part of the beauty of there's no destinations, right? Are we going that deep? Um, we've been that deep. We've been that deep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've gone that deep many, but I many mean, a time. In reference to your like minor issues or your major issues, or some people use the language of like, capital T trauma or like lowercase t trauma like I think my biggest issue mm. with going to therapy one I grew up in a household that um there was like a stigma towards mental health in general mm -hmm. and like seeing a therapist in general um and uh like when I first started seeing a therapist I think like three or four years ago I was like afraid to tell my parents because I mm -hmm. thought they would freak out right and they ended up being like really sweet and really supportive about it but my thing is like, you know, like I'm a white heterosexual male living in Los Angeles right. who like 
struggles with depression half the time. Like, there, there's so much more pain. There's so much, like, other stories are so much worse than mine, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, yeah, but then, like, the thing that I've had to come to terms with that I have to continually come to terms with is that, like, for whoever else is dealing with, like, more pain, Mm -hmm. it doesn't help their pain at all for me to, like, not deal with my pain. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, or, like, financially, like, like, I talked about, like, being poor in October a little bit, like, (laughs) poor in October. Because I, (laughs) it's, like, in a record or something. But, um, because, like, I, I'm coming to terms with being an individual in a society that uses money like it's a hard it's just I know like, man it's a hard thing in general but like one of my biggest things was you know there's so much poverty in the world like who am I to have money I know. but then realizing that like by being poor myself that doesn't help anyone else yeah. in a state of poverty yeah so I've fuck it's it's so weird like the vast like polar opposites that living on earth has like there's people that have they if they what is uh what's that what's the dude the amazon dude um i forget his name but he's he makes like like, tarzan (laughs) no 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 like the website (laughs) um but he makes uh like two thousand dollars every second or something yeah and I'm just like, man, that guy could not spend enough money. Like, he couldn't spend it all if he tried. Yeah. He could get, I don't even know if, that's, it's just fucking nuts. And then there's somebody who, like, has no concept of money. Mm. You know, like, maybe a bartering system. Mm. Like, tribes and stuff. I know there's still, like, a lot of undiscovered tribes out there. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird, the... You used it earlier, the pendulum that swings. Yeah. It's 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 wild. But man, this is why having a podcast for me is so fucking weird. Because I meet so many different people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I meet a lot of different people, but mostly they're all the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean I am talking just mostly strictly creative people, but I mean, like, really at the end of the day, like, the choices they make are pretty much the same. It could also be the area we live in, but I think being human is just, we're we're programmed in a way. Like, always we have base things that we react to, (laughs) you know what I mean? What do you mean by decisions? What do I mean by the decisions that they make? Uh I just mean, like, you can tell what they want out of their lives and and mm. they're we're all kind of striving for the same thing if mm. they're um if they're mentally sound enough they're all kind of striving just for a place to call home mm. either in people or an actual location and that's almost it mm-hmm. like yeah that's it and being uncomfortable in the place you call home is like what I would consider when I've been super depressed in the past or like had major anxiety. It's like even when you're home, it doesn't feel like home. Uh Or even when you're alone with yourself, it doesn't feel that way. Uh 
Well, anyway, I'm here with Eric from First Fire. <laughs> but yeah, man, I first met you outside the satellite, and I was hammered. You were pretty drunk. I was pretty drunk. Like when you told me, like, "Hey, come on the podcast," I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> you guys were so nice. Who, you, who were you with? You were with somebody else. Um, I think it was another dude in another band. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, who was standing with us? It was um, Gabe, I think, of Sycamore, who plays. Guitar that sounds and right. Sings in yeah. Sycamore. Yeah. He has a he has a very strong beard. Like I said, I was hammered. I just remember I peed in the parking lot nice. after that, and then Sarah Tudson drove me back to Cat Bing's place, mm-hmm. and then I threw up. It was fun. Sounds like a great night. You know, it was a really good night because I never stay the night at people's houses. Okay. By choice, because I'm usually like, nah, I'm going to go home to my own bed. That's sure. like where I feel most comfortable at. And then, you know, it was her record release, Illuminati Hotties. And I'm friends with all the Iris folk, mm-hmm. and they live with Kat, and Kat lives with them. Mm-hmm. So it was just like I had this overwhelming feeling like that I'm safe. Yeah. So I got super fucking hammered. Super hammered. Cool. It was... N- hmm. I would take that night back, besides meeting you. Like, I said some shit I should not have said that night. Mm. That was, like, one of the the days where I was like, you know what? I can't keep burning the wick or burning it at both ends. What's that phrase? No, you're you're right. And uh, it's slowing down. Slowing down. But, man. Yeah, it's just, like, I never really drink hard hard alcohol anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when I do, I realize why I don't drink hard alcohol. Sure. It's hard to keep track of. It's hard to keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd I lose it? <laughs> Up here. Where'd all the alcohol Up go? Here. It's in my stomach. Right. But um so I drunkenly took uh your information. You did. And then and then I drunkenly I, think you I soberly me. accepted. <laughs> yeah. A friend request of sorts. Friend request of sorts. Or an Instagram request. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep up with all of the verbs. <laughs> there are a lot more verbs these days. <laughs> there are. What's up with all these verbs? These Dude. I feel like I'm like 50. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be hard, man. It's Technology is going so fast. But before I go off on too many tangents, um, I checked out your music. And I did check out oh, thanks, the post man. about um, your gra- your grandfather's ring. And that you think he wouldn't really uh-huh. have liked your music, <laughs> which was yeah. funny to me. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, Post, writing descriptions on Instagram is one of the hardest parts of being a musician, I think. You know, I tried for a long time to like take it seriously, and then I tried to be funny with it. And now it's just whatever mood I'm in. I, yeah. I don't really think it matters. It like, I, it doesn't matter for most people. Yeah. But like, for people like me, when I read that you're wearing your grandfather's ring and he wouldn't like your music. Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny. Cool. But, yeah, I checked out your music. It's really good, man. And one of the first things that I recognized was um, I really liked the guitar sound because it reminded Mm -hmm. me a lot, at least in the song Strange Man, Mm -hmm. 
a lot of uh, Johnny Greenwood style playing. Cool. And you're playing telly, so it Shit. might come from there as well. But yeah. you um, are a trained musician for sure. I have and trained. you train other people. I am a trainer. You're a trainer. I am a trainer and I am a trainee. Right. So where uh, did First Fire start? First Fire started in my muse, <laughs> who is a, <laughs> oh. a, a fictional or non-fictional um, female consciousness that may or may not exist. <laughs> I feel like people don't say that if it's actually a person that doesn't exist, <laughs> but okay. Um, so, uh, man, there's so many ways to answer that question. But yeah, that's like... That's kind of how I feel about um, creativity is I like um, compartmentalize like myself. So there's like myself, there's a part of myself that is this muse. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that muse is the person who is uh, pushing towards these like mm. creative endeavors in like a really pure sense. Um, and that's a lot to do with the name First Fire and what it means for me because I, um, I studied jazz guitar at Cal State Northridge and I studied classical guitar at Community College. Um, so I had these like six years of kind of like intentional theoretical um, but also like deeply musical and deeply emotional um, study. But it wasn't study that was like inherently like me and like my essence right um so graduating and moving to highland park um and having like a season of like soul searching and trying to figure out because i had been leading my own like modern jazz quintet mm -hmm. and having a lot of fun doing that and writing like modern jazz music and i had just started kind of singing and putting lyrics and like some jazz stuff and I was thinking like, oh, maybe that will be like my thing. I'll like, <laughs> I'll like merge like modern jazz and like traditional songwriting. Yeah. Um, but after graduating, it was kind of, it was really clear for me to see how much my playing jazz was to like impress other jazz musicians mm, and yeah. it wasn't like a true expression of like who i am yeah i could understand that for sure i mean i am a very mediocre guitar player mm -hmm. but my point is always just to try and express myself create as creatively and honestly as i can mm -hmm. you know which uh is like the hardest fucking thing to do yeah. i know like my brother he's an amazing musician on like everything and the hardest thing for him to do is write songs that sound like him he like just has so much trouble doing it yeah. you know and it's a it's a hard pursuit to find out what you sound like like what your sound actually is mm -hmm. it should always be changing i think but man it's really easy to copy other people too for sure like it's almost the easiest thing to do sure and I think it's a necessary part of like how humans learn things. So like the first thing mm -hmm. that children do when they play is like they imagine what it's like to be a truck driver, or imagine what it's like to be a doctor and right. they imitate. And yeah. like that's how we learn. Um, and in the jazz community, like 
because in like the indie rock community you know like it, you should never imitate anyone you need to be like completely original but like in the jazz community like if you if you're like playing a solo and then you take a chorus where you like really sound like john coltrane or something mm-hmm. it's like it's so praised to be able really? to imitate someone right like very well well because um, all of or most of beloved jazz is like nuanced you yeah. know it's like focused on things that happened that were so indescribable and would only happen once in a lifetime but got recorded yeah. you know yeah. and so when you can mimic something that should be uh unmimicable that uh-huh. doesn't sound like a word I'm going to let it pass. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm going to accept you. this as communication. <laughs> yeah, you understand what I'm saying. That's communication. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean. But it's stupid too because, you know, the indie rock community sounds so much like each other. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's different sections of it, but you can always tell somebody's influences. And I totally, think I think yeah. it's silly to try to hide it. It's like... It's going to show anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Simi Valley, California, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, um, like northwest of the San Fernando Valley. Right. And then my parents shipped, I say shipped me out, <laughs> drove me. Felt like to it, huh? <laughs> to uh, a private school in North Hills, which is in San Fernando Valley, uh, for my junior high and high school, Mm -hmm. because I'm the youngest of four, and all of my other siblings went to that school, so my parents just felt comfortable sending me over there. So then, like, um, while I was at that school, I was making friends with people who lived in, like, Studio City and Santa Clarita. Was it, like, a... Pasadena... Uh, boarding school? No. No. Okay. No. They just drove me there oh, every, got it. every okay. day. Got it. And it was like a 45-minute drive or whatever, okay. which isn't like the end of the world. No, it's not I, bad. I, I tell some people that, and they're like, why the hell did your parents... Well, if it's if they thought it was a good school, it makes sense. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So. so it's like I grew up in Simi, but I didn't... I, I didn't grow up with the vibe that like most people who like grow up in Simi and go to see me high school like grew, like I was I was thankful that I grew up surrounded by all these kids that were in these different cities and I was spending time at their houses and kind of getting a little bit of an exposure to like Los Angeles right so what's the what do you mean by people that grow up just in Simi Valley like generally what are they it's like just like so suburb oh e and it's very it's kind of like small town almost yeah and like everything Everything is very copy and paste to like mm. the way that the houses look the same, the, houses the people look, look the, the same, how people dress, and it's like you could say you could say the same thing about Los Angeles. You know, it's mm-hmm. like trends are trends, but I feel like by and large, the people that I like run into on the street in Highland Park are right. like more honest than like the people I would run into on the street in like Simi Valley. It I felt that way with LA as well like uh you know when I know a lot of people now in LA and I go out there all the time and the people that I have met have been incredible people and so it's like the percentage of people that I've met over there that are honest and willing to 
share with you a little bit more than maybe the average person would. Mm. That It's a high percentage. But then I always feel like that's a douchey thing to say, to say that somebody who lives in the suburbs can't be cool. You know what I mean? And well, cool in the sense of like just being honest with who they are and being a good person. Totally. But you you can be a good person in the suburbs. I think it's just like harder because the the hand you're dealt is so cult like in the suburbs. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. At least it's it's like that here even in Fullerton. Mm-hmm. Like certain areas it's like really culty. Sure. Well, yeah, I know. I in no way meant that as like a blanket statement of all people. I. It's funny that we and even have to say that. I know. It's yeah. Fun, and and it's funny thinking about like Highland Park as a city because you know like most of the people who live in a big city moved there from a suburb and like just talk about Highland Park specifically in the peak of its like current gentrification, mm-hmm. there being like these two dominant communities, like the young affluent white creative community mm-hmm. and the like somewhat impoverished Latino community that has like lived there for generations. And, right. Um, so yeah, man, like every, every community is a mixed bag. Yeah. Fullerton here. I mean, I just don't have anything to compare, you know, this I can't compare this to LA at all. Fullerton. I mean, we've got like certain sections of Fullerton that are obviously very similar to each other. And then some that are so different, but it's very like old town here sometimes Mm -hmm. very, yeah, very small town, but really uh, like the end goal for a lot of people in Fullerton is to stay friends with your high school friends well into your sixties but when you're 30, knock somebody up, buy a house, and then just like have your friends over to drink beer in your garage at night. And that's like the goal. Like yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like that that's I get how that could be relaxing and comforting, but holy shit, I don't I just can't do that. Yeah. I also don't know where I'm supposed to be <laughs> yet, but doing this now. Um I don't know that there is a supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I I know. I'm my point is just that like th- there are a lot of people that already have their lot planned out, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's nuts to me. And Fullerton's a lot like that. Um, but Highland Park in itself is like a parody of itself so often. Oh. It's hilarious. It's I mean, really I've funny. Lived, I've lived there for two years, and I feel like it's already been eight different cities just in really? like two years I've lived there. What do you mean? It's, it's just like changing so quickly, and mm. the amount of like white people who are moving in, and like the shops that open, and um, you know, and like I'm a part of it. Like I can't speak of it judgmentally. But I think um, you can still be a part of it and speak judgmentally. I don't well, think there's. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you, yeah, you're right. I think but that there's a lot of like, it's just, it's weird right now. People are supposed to feel guilty for being white and in a nice area. Mm-hmm. I think that's, but maybe if you're a bad person and you're white and you're in a nice area, then yeah, sure. feel shitty. But. I think if you try to contribute to whatever community you're in, whether mm-hmm. it's a low-income community or a high-income community, 
I don't think it makes any difference. Just be mm-hmm. good. But LA is really uh, focused on uh, moral, like what's mm-hmm. morally right. And that doesn't always line up with what works. Absolutely. Because we've been, we have inherited this like culture of capitalism and how you go about things with Congress and voting and buying a house and having a bank account. And I think that, um, especially when we're in our twenties, it's easy to be like idealistic and not pragmatic. I heard someone, I forget who said it, but they said, if you're young and, um, not progressive, you have no heart. And if you're old and not a conservative, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and it like, dude, I know. But that's the way it kind of ends up going because we have all these yeah. idealistic things, and then we kind of get some things, and we get older, and yeah. we have a family, and now, oh, yeah. And then you get older, and you're like, don't take this away from me. I totally. I worked. This is my goal. <laughs> yeah, Republicans aren't stupid. Yeah. They just have their perspective. Yeah, they have their own perspective. I mean, they're stupid in the way that. <laughs> every every human is stupid sure i mean there's that uh, yeah and i get mad at money a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then when i sit down and i really like think okay so what's another way this could all work what's another way we could have <laughs> this much or save this many people medically every year yeah. you know give this much education to kids what's a way we could do all that without money and i don't have a fucking clue well it's like the reason that like the fact that we have like and the fact that you can like go to guitar center and buy a guitar for like 150 or 200 dollars yeah um like is all because our society has become so efficient like with money yeah um so yeah it's like it's worked pros and cons everything it's worked it's it's made a lot of people very happy and helped a lot of people but Mm -hmm. you know i can't think of another way that's better yeah. I mean, I just don't know of one. My mind can't think of one. I've heard some theories, but man, they all have their holes too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I think maybe the problem is is coming up with a new monetary or like value system that sustains our like current network and our current society right like the answer would be to like break down society <laughs> right. and like fight club it and like re like well like we all just need to like cities need to not exist and we all need to be like hunter gatherers or something right. for the barter system yeah. like, to work yeah there would just ne- need to be not like i think about that Facebook kind of shit all the time and i'm like man if e- we even just had an earthquake right now and like trucks could not supply food to los angeles you know oh my because God. los angeles would run out of food Uh, oh like within a week you know (laughs) like if they couldn't get food here from like you know middle america or whatever i don't know what i'd do i would die have you seen the movie the purge i have not but yeah i'm sure i know the premise of the movie Uh or like i think about you know i get pissed off that i have to pay bills and i'm like well i don't think i could kill a deer with a bow and arrow (laughs) so i'm pretty sure this is all right, I'm pretty sure I'll yeah. pay my bills and I'll pay, you know, 200 bucks at the grocery store so yeah. I can be happy for 
two and a half weeks Couple a month. If I, <laughs> I mean, if I really make it stretch, I mean, I'll be, I'll eat all the good food in the uh, first couple of days, but uh, you know, I'll survive off of like craft singles for. <laughs> sure. Um, I used to like that as a kid. Now I, I hate it. But dude, I've been because I've been like crazy budgeting. I've been living on like two hundred dollars a month for my food budget. That's what it's, I always plan for, and it never works for me. It's it's like. I don't buy meat anymore. Like meat's super expensive. And then is like, it really? I, eat, I never even look at it. I just it's a just, part of my diet. Just, yeah. You just buy it. Which is great. Like I'm I eat meat. I'm yeah. not I'm just saying it's it's really expensive. Like I eat oh, a I lot of Oh, I guess yeah, if you're gonna like buy slabs of steak and stuff. Yeah. Like I just I eat a lot of like lentils. I eat oatmeal religiously. It's like every breakfast. <laughs> so um hard lentils, for me. rice and beans, broccoli, kale, like all the veggie stuff, potatoes. And it's just it's just like so cheap. Like I did the math one day, and it's like my lunch is like a dollar fifty. Really? And it tastes really good. I spend too much money on food. I probably Everyone spend does. on average. I would say forty dollars on food a day. Yeah. And that's too too much. Well, I mean, if that is what makes you happy and you want to budget for that, I support you budgeting that. This is what it does not. It's not good for me. This is what I'm saying. So it's like my happiness when I get that bacon avocado cheeseburger is like up here, ah. you know, for like 30 minutes after the meal. Uh-huh. And then my health goes down. Yeah. My bank account goes down. Yeah. And then when I think about, so I'm down here now. And then when I think about, you know, getting like healthy foods. Yeah. And and then I'm comparing it to the taste of the the bacon avocado cheeseburger. Sure. When I think about that, then my mood goes down. Oh. And then when I eat that religiously for like a week, I feel depressed. Oh. And I get to this point where I know that if I stuck with it for another two weeks, my body would be like, hey, I'm actually eating healthy. You know, yeah, I feel totally. good. But nope, I just go right for that cheeseburger again to give me that quick high. And then yeah. it just, you know, it's no good, man. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. But I found that my cycle, like, has, for the past at least five years, mm-hmm. the bad things that I do, mm-hmm. the amount of time between those bad things that I do is farther and farther apart. Mm. So, like, you know, I'll, I'll drink at the Illuminati Hotties record release show, and sure. I'll say things that I should not. didn't really it just you know i'll do something like that and then the next time i do that it's probably gonna be in like another year or something like yeah and it used to be like i was getting hammered hammered all the time Mm. so it's like i'm i can see the progress but man it's still depressing and it's all i know it's all diet related and like alcohol intake related it may be. I mean, it may be a mixture of a lot of things. I know it's that does not help. Let me, let me, totally. That does not help. Totally. So. I hear you. I've tried to live off of lentils. I mean, I've had to before because I was super, super poor. Yeah. And like, it was that and top ramen and like an egg for breakfast. That yeah. was like my thing. My mood just gets so sour. Top ramen is really bad for you. I know. I know. <laughs> See, but I needed, something, I needed something to pick me up. Something to pick me up. I hear you, man. I feel like it's my... Hard. I had a... Th- I'm sorry. I told no, you. No, no. Go for cut it. You off. I had a therapist once who told me on the first session that she doesn't see people unless they agree to eat well, sleep well, and exercise. Yeah, because then you're just working in reverse. It's like, <laughs> you know... Oh, man. And I don't do those things. <laughs> so 
but that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I do, I do, but just not as often as I want to. Yeah, not like habitually. It, it's not habitually at all. And habit is like huge because it's like um, I've heard it said. There's this, there's this like old school book <laughs> by this guy Og Mandino called "The Greatest Salesman in the World," who my friend Brandon Gonzalez recommended to me. He's a dear friend, mm-hmm. but um, uh, he talks about in that book one of the phrases you're supposed to like own and like pray to yourself is if I am if I am to be a creature of habit i will make myself a slave to good habits and it was like huge for me to like accept like yeah i am i'm a slave to my habits like that's a part of being a human Mm -hmm. so i might as well make good habits for myself i know i know it's crazy it's crazy and it's just so um it's so true and so there are just so many easy negative cycles to get into mm-hmm. like in this world. And I tend to me personally. And I think a lot of people I know, they tend to start doing healthy things because they feel so fed up with all the guilt of doing the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a run today. Mm-hmm. And then they like plan out their whole month. Mm-hmm. And because it's such a big load, that they're not used to doing and they've got like a month of eating healthy and exercising all these things that they plan they just get burnt out quick yeah and it's it's hard to make a good habits like for sure mm-hmm. i don't i think that it really for me personally is going to have to be like diet and exercise like at its core cuz when i've done those things in the past like in in high school when i was living with my parents and like i had good food around all the time mm-hmm. and i was like in sports fucking loved life dude sure. like i i was like nothing could stop me i was a lot like younger and sure you know more uh my elasticity was better at that age but i don't know man do you get um winded when you play shows Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Oh but yeah. But do you notice it at all like the next day? Cuz when I've played and I've been winded, like the next day I feel great. I don't feel No, that's a lie. I feel like I got hit by a train. Really? <laughs> After I played. Well, you really do perform. And um I would uh recommend anybody who's listening to go watch um your live performance who who recorded that yeah i have some uh some live like sessions uh my good friends at um ring road media so they're content yeah. creators and they have a youtube channel and they um they work out of a space at downtown rehearsal in la and they also have a space here in orange county oh, cool. um and they recorded three songs and we we have those up on on their youtube account so yeah, yeah. that's what that is yeah, that one for a strange man was really really good. Thanks, man. And uh, as you know, it's so crazy because you, when I wasn't a performer, like mm-hmm. when I was just wanting to get into it, mm-hmm. I would look at people performing, and I did not fully grasp how hard it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to perform in a way that is visual enough for the crowd Mm -hmm. because 
I've seen amazing musicians play mm-hmm. and not really acknowledge the fact that there's people in front of them yeah. at all. And they're playing this beautiful song and they're playing for themselves. Mm-hmm. But those people get overlooked like mm-hmm. all the time. It's so sad because mm-hmm. you have to be a good performer and you, you are a good performer. You understand the front man uh, personality that needs to come on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so funny seeing you here drinking coffee all tired. Because you you work you really work it on stage, man. Oh, I I appreciate that. You're, you're sweet to say that. So who's like uh, who are your buddies in L.A.? My buddies, well, Johanna Chase, who I who referred me to the um, my 92 year old friend. Um, <laughs> That's so badass. Yeah, she's a great great friend. I actually moved into her apartment. <laughs> Nice. Um, five days ago. <laughs> wait, the ninety-two-year-old? No. Oh, jo- okay. Johanna Chase. I was like, I feel like you're up to no good with that. Oh, the, yeah, that would be. <laughs> That'd be wrong. That would be a step too far. Yeah. Um, Johanna yeah, I'm Chase. Not, I'm not entertaining that. Yeah. So Johanna is a, an incredible singer-songwriter. She's going to be playing first on um, our EP release. Cool. At the resonant later this month, um, and then also great friends, the guys of Dirty Verdi, who are also playing the EP release, um, the guys of Sycamore, great friends, um, everybody in Dream Phases and and Drag, uh, and then Kenny of Goon is really sweet friend. Are you are um? It's probably a silly question, but. Ev- Everybody that you know, they're probably from er- anywhere other than L.A. Like, they all came to L.A., I bet. I'd say it's, like, half and half. Really? It's either, like, we grew up in a suburb and came in, mm-hmm. or people came in from, like, out of state. Right. But... But yeah, I wouldn't say that it's like a dramatic, huge percentage of my friends are like out of state transplants. Do you or your your friends actually honestly feel like the the guilt of living in Highland Park? I have before. You have before? I don't currently, mm-hmm. not because I like have are heartless completely now? <laughs> come to terms with it, right? but because in figuring out other areas of my brain that need addressing like i i can't hold <laughs> that right <laughs> all no the time. it's it's stupid um well well it's stupid to to let it negatively affect your life yeah i mean well, that's like how I so feel. so my my friend johanna i was telling you about once i have i have this like hero wall where i have pictures of um <clears throat> like most of my musician heroes Mm -hmm. and all of them are white Mm -hmm. and one of them is female Mm -hmm. so i was like telling johanna i was like it's so stupid that i'm like this white heterosexual guy with these like seven white heterosexual dudes on my hero board sure and joe looked at me like immediately and she was like eric like you're white you're heterosexual like that's what you are (laughs) yeah and like it's okay for you to look up to other people who are white and heterosexual yeah like there's nothing wrong with that and um 
Yeah, it was just, it was like one of those moments where you needed to hear something mm-hmm. that you couldn't have like articulated for yourself. Right. And she really like set me free in a lot of ways yeah. in that. So, um, the other thing too is like, so I found this book um, called The Art of War. Yeah. No, 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 no. The War of Art. Oh. Those are two very different right, books. Right, right. Very, very, very different um, books. I feel like I've heard Joe Rogan on his podcast talk about The War of Art. He may have. It's like a pretty famous book with, yeah, people who are like creatives. And mm. it's, it's basically like a self-help book creatives right but the way yeah but the way that it's written is amazing because each chapter is like a page or two so -hmm. like i read it every morning Mm -hmm. um and i've read through it a number of times but it's like it's like rewired my brain um but one of the main things that that book addresses is this idea of resistance so resistance is anything that keeps the artist from working on their art Mm -hmm. and it could be like procrastination it could be like sexual adventures it could be like constantly being late it could be like burning bridges Mm -hmm. and then it could also be like legitimate things like he cites in the book like maybe your wife is like eight months pregnant and she legitimately needs you home. (laughs) Yeah. But then he talks about this idea of, um, he calls it the principle of priority, which I don't think he came up with this, but he doesn't cite like whoever like did come up with it. But the principle of priority is that there's two principles of priority. The first is that you have to know the difference between what's important and what's urgent. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the second principle is that you have to do what's important first. That's and, stressful. And the idea, sometimes. the idea is that if you don't do what's important first, there will always be something urgent that comes up. So, oh, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So this book is one of the hugest kicks in the ass mm-hmm. I've ever gotten. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I've kind of realized is for me to talk about struggling with white guilt, Mm -hmm. that can be a manifestation of playing like a victim role. Sure. Which is a manifestation of resistance. Yes. Because when I am a victim, I do not need to be held accountable for completing the work that I've been set here to do. Yeah. So that has played like a huge role. And also understanding too that like, um, that the oppression on minorities is so valid yeah but like like everyone has their shit sure i think that it's or at least the way that i've felt about it because i've i've had people give me shit for having things so well sometimes you Mm -hmm. know and uh i always think about it like well you know I also know a lot of bands that are trust fund babies, what you would call like a trust fund baby band. But um, they're still getting to practice every day. They're writing their songs. They're booking their shows and they're fucking doing it. They're not like out here like paying hobos to fight or like it's just, you know what I mean? Like you can still have money and be a good person. You can still be white and be a good person. You can be pretty much anything what we would call God given Sure. Whatever you inherit and st- inherent, yeah, so weird. But uh, and still be a good person, mm-hmm. and 
you should understand that other people have it worse and maybe in your peripherals try to look for ways to help mm-hmm. but still be a good person in your drive and your purpose totally. whether or not you're whatever color you are you know what i mean sure. and i think that that's really hard for people to accept and it's also fun for people to play the victim um in the in the white sense like yeah. you know what was me <laughs> wait does that even make sense maybe not but i know a lot of people that um really hate themselves because yeah. they're white yeah or maybe because it's cool in a way to hate yourself if you're white it's like a it's a progressive name tag yeah to deal with white guilt and when i and i'm not and i'm not trying to like put a blanket statement over like all white guilt yeah like and but there is a there is an aspect of it sure that is like you know what's so funny to me like i i i get there's something that one of my teachers told me in uh like my junior year Mm -hmm. i was writing an essay he's like Stop writing I think when you're explaining what you think. Mm. Your name is at the top of the fucking page. I know you're thinking this. Yeah. And that was like, holy shit, that makes so much sense. <laughs> it's so logical. Yeah. I'm just yeah. gonna write what it is I think yeah. and not put I think. And it it's so funny to me because like every person I meet, I say it and they say it too. They're like, and I just want to clarify, I'm not saying everyone. Sure. And it's like, shouldn't we know already? Like have you ever met anybody who's like, no, literally all these people, that's the way they are. <laughs> I've never met anybody that said that if they were like sane, you know, but we always say, I don't mean everyone's like that, Sure. but we all know that we don't mean everyone's like that. We're just having like a conversation based on generalities and stereotypes sure. because that's, we're talking about the masses, not individual people. Sure. If I was to talk about my friend, over here i would like (laughs) yeah my friend over there i could be really specific to them personally but (sighs) i promise you from this point forward i will interject zero qualifiers no 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 i just mean i just think it's interesting that like we don't just assume it or maybe we do assume it but we say it to make ourselves feel better save our asses in in a way because i know there's gonna be people that listen to this and they don't like the things that I'm saying because it's going to sound like I'm defending white people sure. in a way, which that's not what I'm doing. I'm just having a conversation with somebody about real things that are happening right now. Totally. And it, it's such a double-edged sword, man. Mm-hmm. You like can't talk about it without... You can't talk about anything these days without getting some backlash, but I feel like anybody that can listen to a conversation, take themselves out of the conversation and just hear what the people are saying mm. and analyze it for themselves without passing judgment. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that are going to really make things better for everyone, mm. minorities and the general public. Yeah. I went off on a rant. I like that. That's what I do. That's what I do. Usually it's uh, alcohol filled, but not. Not today. It's coffee filled. Um, coffee is my favorite drug. I, man. I do it every day. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I also smoke cigarettes, which are not good. 
that's something I need to stop. But coffee is when I think about things that I could go without. Mm-hmm. Coffee and alcohol are like, yeah, I could, I, you know, after getting past that, yeah. like wanting them for sure. But if I could not go without coffee, yeah, I would just walk down the street and be like, fuck, do you smell that? Do you smell it? It's like a stoners when like they're like in high school, they're like, oh, dude, somebody's smoking pot. Do you smell <laughs> it? Do you smell it? <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, I smell it. Oh my god, god. I smell it. <laughs> but I, I get, I get like that with good coffee. I'm like, oh Ooh, yeah. shit, you guys brewing yeah. coffee? So not this October that I've already talked to you about, but the October. <laughs> not the b- porn October. <laughs> it sounded like you said porn October. It's <laughs> like holy Porn-tober. shit. Porn-tober. <laughs> what does it mean <laughs> oh my god that's all right sorry funny um so yeah like october plus a year ago i spent more money on espresso than i did on groceries no because i was like i was like developing my palate i was that was like my deepest zone of like coffee-ness mm-hmm. um i was like really deeply into it and like considering a career and like um i like drove up to uh santa cruz a couple times to go to this like specific coffee shop and you were uh i I was like deep into it for a second i love getting like that with anything it's like an excitement for life you know oh it's finding passions like uh i'm in the deepest crevice of my coffee phase right now Hell yeah. And um, I love it. Yeah. But what I do is I happen to take on certain attributes of whichever author I'm reading cool. at the time. And right now I'm reading lots of Patti Smith. Cool. And she's... First of all, I don't want to get into like strange coincidences, but I read some of her stuff, man. And if I like look for good omens or in my life, or mm-hmm. like look for signs, because Patty Smith is always doing that, mm-hmm. man, it like leads me down yeah. a really, really great road. Yeah. And I've always said that. Well, to come for full circle, she drinks a lot of coffee, so I'm sure. drinking a lot of coffee right now. I right. like to imitate my the people that I'm passionate about at the time. Imitation, There's man. Certain things, yeah. But it makes me feel alive, like you're following your heroes, you know, doing yeah. some of the things that they do. I'm not going to be like Bukowski and like be horrible to women and all that stuff. See, but was he actually horrible to women or did he just write that shit? I. Because I don't man, know. I feel like. I don't know enough about him. I feel like he slapped a bitch or two. You know what I mean? Probably <laughs> like, one or two. Like, but he's written about. <laughs> You know what? That's Many. the other thing I was thinking about when I was reading that book, and then I saw pictures of him. Uh-huh. Well, I've read a bunch of his books, and sure. then I've seen pictures of him. I'm like, was this dude really getting laid that much? <laughs> I feel like you can be an author, but I don't think even handsome authors get laid this much because he's always talking about sex. Yeah, you know? I feel like it. It gets to a point too where if someone is talking about sex so much, it's obvious that they're trying to overcompensate right. for not having a lot of sex i think you can become a character too like yeah. your own thing like uh i think that happened to johnny depp i think he's just become his character like you know in all of his movies yeah. and i think bukowski's done it um i'm partial to patty smith so i'm not gonna mm-hmm. throw her under the bus but sure i don't we all become parodies of ourselves eventually especially if we get fame I I can't even imagine. 
I literally just like, even like doing this podcast, I'm like, I was like sitting here like the first like 20 minutes. I was like, this is cool. Like I'm just having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then like somewhere like you were talking and then I had this thought in my head, like, oh, like what if someone like hears this and like checks it out (laughs) or whatever. And then I immediately had the thought like, fucking hey eric like just sit here and like have a fucking conversation and it's like if i can't even handle like hanging out on a podcast like i cannot imagine what it does to your psyche to be johnny fucking depp like of course he has to employ like some sort of public public persona right like i'm sure that i would do right to keep something sacred and human i hear he owns an island yeah lives on an island just so does Bjork, just <laughs> which is so nice but i i don't know man you know i worry too with myself like i i think about this scenario a lot and i think what would happen if like for some reason i got famous or became a millionaire overnight sure. and sure. was in the public eye sure i would like to believe i'd be a good person mm. but I don't have healthy habits mm. yet. And if you don't have healthy habits when you're poor, mm. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have healthy habits when you're you're rich. Mm-hmm. And even people that are poor that win the lottery, mm. they don't go on to become successful business owners. It all runs out. That's like, I mean, and they're usually worse off. They're yes, they have addictions afterwards. and like it ends up really bad for them yeah the lottery is horrible <laughs> yeah dude i heard a commercial for it on the radio and i was like it was so sick to me yes oh my it was god so when sick I see to me billboards for yeah. the lottery and because whenever i see an ad for the lottery because they have the best marketing people working for them like i see it and it like affects me emotionally yeah. and then like three seconds later i realize it's an ad for the lottery yeah and i just feel like so gross so gross so because gross, they man. know how to get they know how to like oh, yeah. get in my brain with a billboard. It's nuts. It's so sick. We're so like easy humans. Yeah. Like yeah. Our basic wants and needs. My my grandpa, he's he's the he's not the sweetest, but he, <laughs> he's um he's too proud for his own good. Sure. And I remember growing up thinking he was really cool mm-hmm. and that he was always getting deals on stuff and like, oh, he knows how to get, oh, if that person can get, you know, that coffee table for a hundred bucks, my grandpa could find the same one for, you know, mm-hmm. 50. But then I started to think about it as I got older and all of his, every one of his stories is like, everybody likes him and that he got a great deal and that he's really good at this and really good at that. All of his stories. He's never told me one story where he's failed. One story. And then I look at his life and I'm like, well, he's poor and he doesn't hang out with friends. He just works and he goes home to his wife. And I'm thinking, maybe these stories aren't as true as I'd like them to believe or Mm -hmm. as I'd like them to be. Sure. And my grandpa is one of the people that would for sure fall for lottery stuff. And it makes me so sad. Mm. Like, because I want to believe he's a good person. And I think the reason why people fall for the lottery is because they feel like their lot in life is so shitty that the only way that they could get ahead 
is by being special mm-hmm. and winning something, mm-hmm. which is the shittiest thing ever. It should mm-hmm. be by hard work and trying to push yourself and be intelligent, but mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to do that. Anyway, that's it, man. We're at in an hour. Now that we've deconstructed the lottery. Yeah, now that we've deconstructed the lottery. So uh, <laughs> let's give people some stuff that you'll be up to and uh, shout out um, uh, some bands that we should listen to and yeah, yeah, what you're going to be up to. Put a bow on it. Put a well, bow the, on it. The absolute biggest thing is, um, so our first ever release, my first ever release as a musician, um, <laughs> this EP that we're calling Proof is coming out on June 25th. Well, it's going to come out the day after, so it'll be June 26th. But we're having a show at the Resident in the Arts District of Los Angeles on the 25th of June. Um, it's $5. It's 21 and over. We're playing at 10. Johanna Chase plays at 9. Dirty Birdie plays at 11. Nice. And it's going to be a really, like a really, really special evening. So cool. I hope that anyone listening can, uh, June 25th. can be there. June 25th. It's a Monday. Nice. Yeah, and that is um, like that, and teaching all my students is like all that I have the brain energy to, <laughs> to think about. Yeah, so we're uh, we have the release, and then um, July we're planning on rehearsing for recording a full length record and deciding how we're going to go about doing that. If because we did the CP ourselves, cool. Um, so we're trying to decide if we're going to do like the full length by ourselves too, or or figure out the logistics of that and, yeah. and hopefully, um, you know, record, uh, release the full length sometime in the future. So no other shows planned. Um, as far as things that we should be listening to, um, <clears throat> I, uh, on, on Monday, the, the, the day that we played the satellite for whatever reason, I've like never like really sat down and like listened to Joni Mitchell before and like really dug in. Yeah. And I just got lost in it for like an hour and listened to it. Like, oh my God. So I get to the satellite and Tyler, who plays bass, oh, just like (laughs) a wreck. And Tyler, who plays bass in First Fire, um, he's like, dude, like, I just checked out Joni Mitchell. Like, That's funny. And we had this crazy, and we've been texting every day about like, check out this record, check out this song, when she yeah. says this line. So I like can't stop listening to Joni yeah. Mitchell right now. All, um, my girlfriend, she, I showed her a few Joni Mit- Mitchell things. And yeah. the, the, her song, I think it's just California. It's like yeah. one of her most famous ones. Yeah. And we both just, got so teary-eyed listening to it and now whenever we go into a record store she just doesn't matter what Joni Mitchell record it is she'll mm-hmm. just get it mm-hmm. and it's always good yes it's always good yes so yeah yes yes I yes. second that emotion mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even a Joni Mitchell line I was trying to think of one mm. to like reaffirm that but nope can't think of one no so um any local bands that you think we should be listening to Local to Highland Park. Oh, my God. I mean, all the bands I listed previously, I mean, Car Talk and the Hotties have 
obviously been on here. Talking and the hotties sound like its own band. <laughs> yeah, that would be really fun. <laughs> they might be pissed. Yeah, um, Goon is incredible. Sycamore is amazing. Um, there's this band called Living More that's doing. I think it's their record release at the Echo um, this month, and Sycamore's on that bill. And anyone listening should definitely be there. I'll be there. Cool. Hanging out and supporting my friends, loving on my friends. I there's love also, the Echo. It's yeah. Fun. It was amazing. Um, have you heard this band called Drag? Drag, no. So there's a band in Los Angeles that exists um, <laughs> called Drag, and um, they're really amazing. They're going to be playing the Unseen Fest at the end of June as well, the same one that that, that Goon is on. Cool. Um, yeah, that like that show is is going to be incredible at the Hi Hat. It's the last day of June. It's the last Saturday in June, the thirtieth. That's nice. I feel like that's going to yeah. be a good show. It's going to be an amazing show. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for talking honestly with me. And uh, thanks for just driving out here, man, when you've had such a packed schedule. It means a lot. I was really happy to do it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And uh, thanks for not holding my uh, first drunken encounter with you, you know, as my peak of existence. <laughs> but, but yeah, thanks again. Yeah, and uh, see everybody who's listening. I don't know. I'll never see you guys. Just have a good time. That's it. (laughs) All right. That's it for the 49th episode of the Psychic Wave podcast. Thanks again to Eric of First Fire for coming on and having a a conversation that I enjoyed immensely. Wait, is that right? Is that proper grammar? Fuck it. It's probably not. But, you know, it's late, man. it's, It's still Thursday night. It's about to be midnight. And I had a really good time. That's all I'm trying to say. I had a really good time. Um... And I feel very fortunate that uh, he took time out of his day to come down here when he was probably super fucking tired. So thanks again. Um, be sure to follow them on Instagram, at First Fire Music. If you want to follow me, it's at The Psychic Wave. And if you want to follow my personal account, it's at Andrew Sanishin. Sanishin is spelled S-A-N-Y-S-H-Y-N. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast you can also find it on youtube and you can watch a video uh of all of us it's usually up uh the day after or the night after we record the podcast so go check that out and send me a message if you want to be on the podcast or just send me a message and tell me what i'm doing right what i'm doing wrong what i should do more of what i should do less of just send me a message let's talk anyway have a good day and If you get anything out of this podcast, just try to be happy, man, because I'm trying it too, and it's a long fucking journey, but I think it's worth it. So have a great day. Thanks. Bye.